Welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in the city of Chicago. Join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm eating grapes that have been dipped in white chocolate that have been dipped in nuts. Chicago, a town that looks at grapes and goes, I could put chocolate on that. (laughs) Also also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Must be nice to have grapes that have been dipped in chocolate than in nuts. It is pretty nice. That may be the the first appearance of the must be nice joke on the podcast. Really? I think so. No, wow. This is, this is a must be nice before. Okay. This is a podcast listener contributed. Indeed, it is. That's true. A new podcast listener, Deacon Johnny from the Bridge, Woo! has thought see has sought fit to start his uh, part time employing at the Bridge with bribing Glenn with. Fruit dipped in chocolate, and that's just a smart move is what that's, that is. That's the way to do that. Yeah. Joining us all the way from Rector, Tennessee, one of the pastor of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Not only was I not offered this snack, but nobody sent me pineapple lumps from the last episode either. Yeah. Nope. It's well, pretty great being us. Think about what you did. <laughs> we were go- we were gonna, but then we ate them all. <laughs> we but we're, we had but, the best plan. Were you really gonna? <laughs> no, really not, no. Well, we were going to if we didn't eat them all, which was never really going to happen. Well, fellas, for the second week in a row, I must declare an emergency. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. This hey, is... uh, I like to get right down to the wisdom. You uh, know you don't. Do. You know that's a lie. That's true. Okay. So, um, uh, much like last week's emergency, there's a pattern forming on this show that, if anything, it's kind of surprising it took this long to form. Um, we've horrified the people with the awful, awful things we say. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense, actually. So I got, yeah. got a tweet in from listener Kathleen that said this is the day that the episode two weeks ago came out, I think. Yeah. Episode 205. And it says, I think anyone who endured the entire, in all caps, emergency section on this week say that deserves some reparations, <laughs> uh-huh. like free counseling. Yeah. Wow. So for those of you who don't remember... The emergency a couple weeks ago, I'm not going to say it. You can listen to it yourself. It was bad. Well, what happened was... Uh, <laughs> Glenn will say it. M- no, Matt. I'm going to say it. <laughs> Matt. No. Uh, Matt us. shared a very innocent email about uh, cultures from many years ago, and you made it dirty. With Well, the story involved naked whipping. <laughs> no, I think it was naked men, actually, dude. Right. I right. can't believe but this is a sentence I have to say out loud. He said naked whipping. Oh, whipping. You heard that as women, right. which is far less horrifying than the thing Glenn actually said. <laughs> right. So far, our apologizing for being inappropriate <laughs> is not off to a good start. Right. This our is, reparations for not traumatizing well. the children right. are, is to further traumatize the people. So first of all, I'm against all of this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Okay. Well, I think as we, we record this a week a week and a half before it comes out, this is the second of our batch of episodes, and so far it is clear that some folks' wives are behind on the podcast. Why is that clear, Glenn? Because there haven't been any meetings yet. I'm <laughs> <laughs> here in Chicago. We just got done with our staff meeting, and all three of the people you hear right now, we're holding their breath a little bit that that was going to come up eventually. Well, what what I've been doing, my strategy, 
is being extra nice in a way that's slightly suspicious. <laughs> right. But to, to try and front load the situation. Yeah, but are, are, you, are you giving yourself away? I mean, is she going to start looking for stuff? No, well, there, there's misbehavior coming from Glenn in so many different directions. She couldn't narrow it down to podcasts if she wanted to. Right, that's true. That's true. Yeah, well, you know, what it comes down to is, you know, and I think we told this story a long time back, but one of the things that happened in, in my marriage is we were at a party and some guy was talking about something. It was a little inappropriate and a little scandalous and it was kind of a sexual and so on and so forth. And... uh she said, well, I think that, my wife said, that's awful. I, that's terrible. And I said, well, right. I, sure. I'm with you. Sure. You know, like that. That's how I said it. Sure. sure. <laughs> and uh, she said, the well. sound of conviction. Yeah, she said, well, I know you didn't say anything. <laughs> I'm like, well, that, that's right. I, I did not say anything inappropriate. I did not agree. He said something inappropriate. Therefore, he's bad. Well, you, but you should have said something. So now, whenever someone says something inappropriate... You announce. I announce loudly, almost disturbingly loudly, <laughs> I'm against that, you know, so that everyone knows that I'm against it. No longer only if your wife is around. <laughs> That's just true. Just in general. Yeah, just whenever. Well, you never know when she's listening. Well, I was going to say, the room might be bugged. That, that this is a woman that loves to ear hustle. You know what I mean. <laughs> she will she will eavesdrop on a conversation. So, so so far, our apology and your getting out of meetings is going double bad. Yeah, this is not. We we need to. Uh, you know, this is not going well. Right. Yeah. We, you know, because we know how to get into trouble. Yeah, it's getting get, out of it's it. It's getting out that we struggle with. You know. So we said awful, awful things. People were scandalized, and they're demanding that we pay for their counseling. So right. Do I have it about right? And then on social media, Glenn tried to victim blame me by throwing me under the bus. Yeah, as okay. the one who was in charge of it all. It just felt and right. That did not go down too smooth. No, no. That didn't work the, either. With the uh, wise and gentle folk of the interwebs, there. Okay, yeah, that didn't work. Okay. Yeah. Well, what else you got? Um, I this this is what I've got. Oh, girl. It's <laughs> going back to that well three times now. You know it's not like that. <laughs> sure. You know I don't agree with all of Matt's stories about <laughs> being naked. Right. And being whipped. Right. You're going to say that again. That's going to help. <laughs> you know it's not like that, girl. Well, what, one group like we, did, we haven't heard from yet is Angry Jane Austen fans. So I have a feeling that's coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because all I, I think pretty much all of our wives like the Jane Austen as well. Sure. So uh, you that, sullying that fine author's name? Well, because I said that uh, Matt's safe word was Jane Austen. <laughs> sure, sure. Which I responded um, in a very candid moment: "You're a bad person." Right. That's true. And then we faded into I think Jed leading a worship song. Which is one of the weirder artistic choices I've made in editing this podcast together. <laughs> Look, I'm a white man on the internet, so I'm going to break this whole thing down for all of us. Sweet. Where'd Whoa. That, where'd that fedora come from, Jen? <laughs> I hope you're appreciating my neck beard. Would I you like to open with an um actually? For us? Um, actually, here's going to honky splain it. I'm about to honky splain it. <laughs> Dude, pound it. Yeah. Honky yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt has officially lost. You, you know what's funny oh, about nice. that is we all know exactly what that yeah. means. Oh, that's a that's a next level mansplaining. For the next uh, thirty days, every time a white person talks, you're gonna be, oh yeah, here we go, honky splaining. Well, I'm, I'm gonna make a with. promise you right now. 
at some point in the next month, Glenn is going to use that in a sermon at the bridge, and it's going to go over very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm about to honky explain it. Mm. White man on the internet. Mm. Here you go. Here's the whole thing. Now, I don't... I, I don't read books because uh, you know it's just not my scene. Right. right? I'm not. I'm not what you call literate. Right. Or cultured. Well, you right. believe in open source literature. I you believe only read it. <laughs> if somebody scans a whole book onto Reddit, you'll read that. All right. But I believe the Bible. Not all of it. Parts. The parts right. let me judge other people. Right. And here's what I know from the parts I believe: pride, a sin; prejudice. Right. Also a sin. Pride and prejudice together, two separate sins. Therefore, double sinful book, sin to read. You are a sinner. Feel bad. Wow. Yeah, you're welcome. You broke that down. Jane Austen judged. Wow. (laughs) Right. Uh, I would like to say. You were going to pay hard for that, my friend. I would like to say (laughs) officially. I'm against that as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to join you in that. I'm against all of that. Because <laughs> I've seen the tumblers. I've seen the uh, the Twitters. Uh, our, our audience is demographically mostly, it's more women than men. Right. And skews particularly towards younger women. And that's a group of people that like some Jane Austen. Yeah. Jed's going to get us all in trouble. Well, because Jed didn't even <laughs> switch over to legalistic Jed to do it. He just did it in normal Jed. Yeah. No, that's that's honky-splaining Jed. That's, that's a new character. Exactly right. right. It's a different thing. Yeah, honky-splainer. Legalistic yeah. Jed would never use the internet. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a tool of the enemy. Uh, Matthew, I'm glad that you summoned him. Oh, yeah, I summoned him. Uh, <laughs> he summoned him. Um, <laughs> the internet is, of course... <laughs> Did we say it three times? <laughs> like Beetlejuice? <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> Legalist, legalist, legalist. Hello. You're not wrong, Walter. <laughs> you can't tempt me like that. That that's entrapment. I can't believe Lee's the one who made the Lebowski reference. First of all, really, really. We need to end this emergency before I say something. I am. Yeah, I declare emergency for. off before we get to any more big Lebowski quotes or any Cohen Brothers movie quotes at all. Maybe, oh, brother, where art thou is fine, but that's even pushing the limits. Just because we're bereaved doesn't mean we're saps. Okay, that's good. Here's yeah. what I'm saying. Let's there's, make- there's a quote about an ethos coming, and I can just feel it. <laughs> let's, let's, let's make this clear. We're against naked whipping of yeah. Matthew. Absolutely. I, I know I am. Right. That's We're against that. Sure. sure. So I'm so against it, I don't like saying it. Would you like to... <laughs> I w- I'd like you to come to that level of being against it. Well, because you well, know, except in the context of his eventual future marriage, if that's what they're into, if that's they're cool. into that, I'm no. not judging. We're not. It's not I'm a place not to judge. judge. Whatever Stop happens it. behind closed doors, hey no, man, between two Christian people who love too much about yourself, they have their own taste. You know, they're into <laughs> no. what they're into. No. There's outfits. There's things. Just gonna keep saying no until it stops. Whistles, yo-yos. You know, I don't know. I don't care what the people. Gonna export this part with only your audio soloed and send it to. Your wives. <laughs> please, please end the segment. I tried. I tried to end the segment, and you brought it back. So we did a pretty good job at apologizing, right? No. Yeah, okay. we're pretty awesome at it. I think we're still in the top 20 percentile of white men on apologizing, though. Well, that's definitely right. true. Okay, moving on. <laughs> if you're still moving listening, on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, 
Seriously, the bridge box is better. It's our, it's our highest sell. <laughs> right. There you go. It's been through filters. There are edits. There we cut out all the Lebowski jokes. Well, most of the Lebowski jokes, the obvious ones. Um, we do what we can. There's only so much editing time in the world. But you get sermons that are preached in front of a crowd of people who will vocally boo you if you say something foolish. Yeah, that's true. Which really does a lot to keep Glenn in line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We got songs that have to be wifely approved before they come out. Right. They, we don't just put it out and then wait for the inevitable aftermath like we do with this show. So that's good. Those are checks and balances. Absolutely. In this election season, we can celebrate that. Mm-hmm. You head on over to missionusa.com slash bridgebox. You can sign up there. But even if you don't sign up, there are some freebies to download so you can get a taste of what we got going. You can also check out the Bridge Podcast. comes out every Monday, which has sermons and songs, a lot of which were originally made for Bridgebox, if you want to taste there. Or just get a good way to start off your uh your week with some good encouragement there. That's over. You can find that on iTunes. Or you can find it at thebridgepodcast.podbean.com. We're going to jump into our first question here. It came in to Glenn's blog, which is very popular. Now, when you say very popular. Really quite popular. I think he right. mainly means in comparison to our blogs. Right. Maybe in comparison to most blogs, really. Right. Like, like, uh, like real, real, real popular. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like the best one. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Right. Okay. And the, it comes in, it says this. Hey, Unka. That's because it's Unka Glenn. You can find that at uncaglenn.com. Mm. I know you don't do politics on your blog, but and I'm actually glad about that, but because I guess I need to get away from politics or away from the stress of it. We have all, we're all right there with you. Yeah. And when Christians get in the middle of it and middle of it all and take sides, it really stresses me out. Maybe that's because I don't know how to pick the right side. Can you help me with all this? And actually, Jed, why don't you start us off on this? Well, I appreciate the question. And if you can dig it, um, we actually talk about all this stuff a lot offline. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. There are a lot of reasons why we don't talk about it publicly. Um, one of them has can't to do... can hold in the swearing. Yeah, we can't continue the swearing. And one of them has to do with us being a nonprofit agency, so uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of not our field. Um, we're actually but, not supposed to do that. So if you go to a church that does that, they're technically committing a federal crime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but one thing we can talk about is left and right limits. Those are always a very, very good thing to have in mind when you're trying to navigate an area. So, you know, that means this much is too far in this direction, and then this is too far in the other direction. Um, when politicians are telling you this is what Jesus thinks you should care about— uh, we really want to check that against what the Bible actually says. Yeah. Um, for example, in the last year and a half, there's a politician telling people Jesus wants you to buy an assault rifle. Yeah. Um, that is nowhere in the Bible anywhere. <laughs> right. That's right. that's right out. That would be a bit of an anachronism. Uh, if indeed. Jesus wanted you to buy an AR-15, yes. which was literally what this guy said. Exactly right. So here's the thing. Read Matthew 25. Yeah. Um, Jesus tells everyone who's listening exactly what he cares about these are the things i jesus not only take care uh, not only care about this will be the basis for the way the world is judged yeah these are the things i take personally and those are things like i was a stranger and you welcomed me i was hungry and you fed me i was naked and you clothed me i was sick and you cared for me i was in prison and you came to me and as often as you did it to the least of these my brothers you did it to me that's Jesus saying, this is what I care about. These are the things that, that matter to me. That doesn't mean that um, 
your politics have to be 100% in line with that. That's actually a little bit of a separate question, but it does mean for sure that when politicians try to tell you, as they actually often do in the United States, this is what Jesus thinks, we want to check that against what the Bible actually says. Right. right. This is the stuff Jesus said, this is what I care about. Mm-hmm. These are mm-hmm. the things I take personally. This is literally the way the world will be judged. Right. Um, and so if we've got someone trying to paint a picture of Jesus and what he cares about and what he wants us to be on that is not in line with that we need to go ahead and call party foul on that right then and there i appreciate you bringing the term party foul into a discussion of both politics and spirituality that is that's a very jed move you're welcome i appreciate that <laughs> Levi, i guess you pick up pick up this conversation on this idea i like what jed said about there of people uh trying to uh, people trying to use uh, Jesus stuff to get whipped up into kind of fear is a big one. Right. But there's uh, one of these one of the things about uh, politics, if you don't particularly enjoy it, but some people do, is a lot of it is. I mean, this the term is wonky. It's it's numbers, it's percentages, it's kind of elaborate scenarios. There's often not a lot of emotion to political stuff. Yeah. And Jesus t- uh, Christian stuff tends to be a way that certain politicians try to just throw a nice level of that on there. But actually, a whole lot of the Bible is about how you shouldn't get super worked up about stuff if you're actually relying on the Lord. And Lee, maybe you can parse that out for us a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the you know, one of the things that the Apostle Paul says about love is that love is not zealous. It's a, it's actually a, it's actually the literally the Greek word to boil over. And uh, mm-hmm. if you're trying to figure out which the Apostle Paul says, if you don't have love, you don't have anything. It's the basis for everything that we are, everything that we do. And one of the things about it is that love is able to operate in such a way that it doesn't just just boil over and get you know super crazy about certain things, especially and that that word zealous is mainly used about factious party spirit kind of things. So uh, specifically this kind of political stuff, people get super, super fired up about it. And the Apostle Paul says, this is not what believers in Jesus are supposed to be like. This is not what love does. Love doesn't just get insane and boil over and I'm against them and we're better than them because of this kind of thing. In, In fact, um, and, and that's really the way that people do it. And they do it because they're told that these are the issues that are so serious and that we should be afraid about. And these are the things that mm. we should be super, you know, super uh, fired up about and super afraid about. And it gets that boiled up emotion involved in this. Yeah. The funny thing for me about politics is like, I actually find a lot of it interesting. I like to read about it. I like to listen to, you know, podcasts and stuff like that. I, I, I do think some of the numbers and stuff is, is fascinating. And some of it is actually pretty entertaining. And, um, and, and some people just can't really see it that way. It's just so personal, so emotional, so intense. And I think one of the reasons that for me that I'm able to see it that way is that um, actually my, my life and my ministry and my walk with Jesus that stuff is so critical and so important and so serious. And that is, that's actually taking, you know, my heart, my energy, my time and stuff. And so, you know, I'm able to look at this other stuff. And by the way, trusting in Jesus, I know that, you know, that he's in control of this world. He's in control of what's going to happen in this world. I don't have to be afraid of anything. He does not want me to spend any time or any energy being afraid of stuff. And that allows me to look at this and to listen to this, engage 
what people are like, where they are, all that kind of stuff, and even, you know, read about it, read about the numbers of it or whatever, because I am trusting Jesus. And by the way, because of my ministry life, I have actual stuff to care about. Um, I have actual mm-hmm. stuff that, that, that matters that I've got to do. Um, the Apostle Paul says a very helpful thing about this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, I believe. He says, a good soldier of Jesus Christ does not get involved in civilian affairs. And, uh, and that's an, a very important thing to realize that like, if I, am, if I am following Jesus, there is a sense at which all the things that happen in the world are civilian affairs to me. I have a commanding officer. He has he has uh, operations that he wants me to perform. He has stuff that he wants orders that he wants me to carry out, and all of this other stuff. This these are not my prime objective. They are not they are not the most important thing in my world. But the way that you see people get so whipped up and worked up and afraid and all that kind of stuff, it's they act like it's the most important and critical thing happening in the world. And the way the the apostle Paul talks about it is, hey, we're following Jesus. We've got more important stuff to deal with. And so I think it's really good to to be able to parse some of this out and to see what's really important and how do I how do I make sure that I can handle this in a way that it's not making me afraid or emotionally whipped up. That's a really good place to uh go with this. So there's another idea that is is in Jed's kind of contract there of left and right lemons thing is very good when there's one that's just to say on one hand Lee's absolutely right we don't want to get too wound up about political stuff we don't want to let those things be over there's the other one which is well I just kind of keep my faith and my politics separate mm-hmm. which is not the way to go either they your faith and your politics have to have a a uh, a relationship if you believe if you believe things because your faith and politics is your beliefs and action you have to have that there but that doesn't mean what people tend to think it means when people who talk about, you know, uh, faith-based voters and all that stuff. So, Glenn, maybe you can break down this. What does it actually like to say, I am a person of faith, I am politically active, here's how I balance those? Well, yeah, I think first and foremost, uh, in terms of left and right limits, let's make it clear. When we say, I want my faith to inform my politics and be part of my political thought, uh, we are not saying that we should all vote for or push for a theocratic caliphate with a jihad and a sharia law that's just christian or whatever that's right. not that's not the best politics that there are because it's somehow the most christian politics that, right. that there are so let's be clear on that that's mm-hmm. it, you know that we're not going to just open the bible and say all this should be law yeah, there's a reason why it's not law. There's a reason why it's all uh, a, a a choice that God gives to us. Uh, so that's that's thing number one. Uh, but what what I think we need to, to look at is the number of people that take their um, view of the world from politics, mm-hmm. and then they fit their Christianity into that. Yeah, uh, there are lots and lots and lots of people that I know that. Uh, their religion is their political party. Yes. Yep. Uh, they, uh, in in many cases, they get more of a uh, pastoral teaching and uh, a pastoral sense of how to see the world and react to it from the people that they listen to on the radio or on the TV that are preaching a worldview. They're preaching yep. a. Um, 
a sense of how the world works, of preaching what is good and what is bad, and so on and so forth. But they're preaching that in a totally secular way that has yeah. nothing to do with the Bible. And you're specifically saying the people that listen to it on talk radio and on news television programs. Absolutely and, right. and, and not to and not to jump in here, but they're but just right on what you're saying, their devotion to that and their emotional connection to that and their sense of loyalty to that is yeah. unbelievably deep. Absolutely right. Yeah, that, so what what you're talking about there is that has really become your religion. Yeah. It's become the thing that you believe in whether you receive facts to the contrary or not, it becomes the way that you spend your money. It becomes the way that you uh, make choices in living your life. It's the way that you see your fellow man and this kind of stuff. Um, that is a complete disaster. <laughs> that is a full break from Christianity. Well, it's a false religion That's in every right. sense. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, uh, I... I uh, part of my job in, in, in the course of my career is I have gotten to know on a personal level a, a number of politicians, and these, are, and these are Republicans and Democrats. And these are, some of these guys I've really liked, uh, and, and gals I've really liked, some not so much, but sure. you know, uh, just like any other group. But th- here's what I want to tell you. Never, at any point, never did I think, look at any of them and say, this person is going to lead us forth and make it all okay. I mean, that never came close to yeah. not at all. This is not the solution that's going to make the world better. It's, it, you know, somebody says, well, this is how it's all falling apart and this is what it's going to do to fix it. Uh, all that's wrong. What we really want to do, as these guys are saying, is we want to start with what the Lord is saying and let that inform the, and, and give shape to what we're doing. And and one last miniature point on the end of that, um, there's a big reason why I don't talk about politics apart from uh, the the stuff that Jeb was talking about, where it's a little bit of you know a, a legal gray area for us to do it as a nonprofit organization. It's that I really don't know that much about politics. Sure, I have opinions about it. I sure. read about it a lot. Like like Lee was saying, I you know I'm I'm interested in it, and and I want to be a good citizen that's informed. But I don't really know squat about politics. Yeah. And therefore, uh, I'm not going to inflict that on other people. And I surely do wish more people felt yeah. that way. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That's all a lot of good stuff there. And there are some realities of we live in a political world. There's nothing necessarily wrong with politics, but uh, trying to mix politics and religion in the ways kind of some people do it, if, even the, both with equal fervor, just doesn't lead to anything good. So you got a lot of good kind of uh, like that phrase when you use a lot left and right limits on how to balance that out. And actually, a political uh, consciousness can be a healthy part of your life, but you don't have to let it dictate your kind of your emotions all the time. That's where a lot of people go wrong. Move on to our next question here. It came anonymous with our Tumblr box, and it says, what does it mean in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, keep on loving as long as life lasts in order to make certain what you hope for will come true? Does the outcome for our future hopes and dreams depend on how we love people today? Isn't God in control of all of that anyways? So the uh, that's the question as it came in. It's actually coming, uh, this person's quoting, I think, the New Living Translation, so maybe not the most mainstream translations. And I think that's a good place to start us off there, Lee, if you can talk about maybe what not that that uh, the NLT isn't like a bad translation or no. anything, but we kind of, 
we could use some context and some other information. What's going on here? Absolutely. Um, there, as as you know, as you probably know, there are a ton of different translations of the Bible. And actually, I love the New Living Translation for when I'm reading like through the Old Testament. It's just a real, it's a it's a real good translation to break down a lot of difficult stuff in a in a really easy readable way. But with any translation, there are going to be certain times and certain passages where they they have kind of a funky interpretation or a funky way of saying something that can make you feel like, man, I don't I don't have any center anymore. I don't understand anything if I don't understand this. And I think one thing that we want to make sure that we know about Scripture is when you come across something that looks like confusing and you feel maybe a little freaked out, it doesn't mean that you don't understand anything. You know, don't don't feel like the ceiling is falling, you know, is falling down, the, the floor is falling out underneath you, and now I don't know, I don't have any center anymore. Everything's fine. Find somebody to talk to. You wrote into us. I think that's a very good, very good way to do that. We actually could get a lot of help on this by simply reading maybe three or four different other translations. And and by the way, you can do that really easily on a site like Bible Gateway or something. You can isolate a little paragraph and switch to five or six different translations mm-hmm. and just see if you can if you can understand anything else from that. But when we broaden the perspective, we broaden the context of the book of Hebrews, we can actually figure out a lot of cool stuff about what this what this verse is actually saying. So uh, real quickly, the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish believers very very early on in the whole Christian thing who they had come to know Jesus and a lot of people did not like that they were that they had kind of a that they felt like these people had abandoned their Jewishness to become Christians. Now, of course, they didn't abandon anything about their Jewish heritage. They were still Jews. They still loved the, you know, the Jewish traditions and everything, but they believed Jesus was their Messiah. But these people were being full-on actually persecuted. So that they were told to denounce their faith in Jesus, or the powers that be were going to make sure that they lost their jobs, that they were separated from their families. Some people lost their lives. And so there was a big kind of movement to say, let's just go back to the way that we were. Let's just kind of diss the Jesus thing and just go back to just being the you know Jewish people that we always kind of grew up being. And the writer of the book of Hebrews was saying, guys, don't do that. Do not abandon your faith in Jesus. And if you if you wanted to sum up the entire book of Jesus, the book of Hebrews in 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 two words, it would be don't quit or hang mm-hmm. on. That's what this book is about. Hang on. It's about tenacity. It's about perseverance. And it's about the, the, the results of, of tenacity and perseverance and hanging on to your faith in Jesus is that God will prove to you, you bet on the right horse, baby. You're going to find out y- y- Jesus is real. He's our only hope. You've got to stick with him because there's no other forgiveness of sins. There's no other eternal life. There's no other fulfillment in this life. You've got to hang on to him. And when you do that, you know, he's, he says basically in chapter six, he says, look, some people are abandoning the Lord and, and that's a very precarious position. But look, I, I'm convinced of better things about you. The, and by the way, the way you love people, God will never forget it. And he is going mm-hmm. to remember it and reward you. And not only that, you keep on doing that, and you're going to find out in the next life and in this life that you bet on the right horse. Jesus is real, and he's going to give you the fulfillment and the 
and the, the, the fullness of the promise, and you're going to know that I believed in the right thing and that I'm on the right track. And that's really what this verse is about. And we can, we can understand that better when we realize what this book is about and kind of broaden our scope and get some better translation on it. That's absolutely right. Glenn, I'd love to get, get you to pick up on some of that. There's So the book of Hebrews, Lee did a great job writing that out, was written to a specific group of people. Right. This chapter and this phrase kind of very much, this idea of the hope you hold on to. The writer, and we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, actually, right. uh, is referring to a very specific hope because he's talking to people who are in charge of this church. Right. He's right, talking right. about, when Lee say, you know, hang out, he's talking about don't think this is enough, don't abandon these teachings, hold on here, and this thing you hope for will come through. So this isn't teaching us about magical thinking as much as it's teaching us kind of a lesson about the way we approach things, right? Absolutely right. I think when you're, uh, the the part of the question that came in is, uh, do do our future hopes and dreams depend on the how we love people today? But this is, hold up a second here, uh, your hopes and dreams are not in this scenario that we're talking about here. Uh, the uh, I have hopes and dreams. Uh, you have hopes and dreams. Everybody has hopes and dreams. But let me tell you about my hopes and dreams. They are very small. Yep. They are very reasonable. Uh, they uh, they they seem likely that they could happen. Sure. Because you don't want to go crazy. <laughs> and um, also, uh, they uh, don't call for any kind of miracle power because I don't that's not you know uh it seems like a bad bet really. yeah it's mostly stuff I could do on my own but every now and a little assist and then I'm back to on my own sure and maybe an assist in the form of an influx of cash yeah it's mostly me coasting right really that's my hope and dream is not being challenged in any way right that's right never having to be bold or assertive or right. cra- courageous or take chances or anything. That's all. That's bad, dude. That's a pretty sweet dream. Yeah, that's, that's my dream. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that has nothing to do with the virtue of hope. Right. Okay. Uh, wisdom is when we see the present from God's perspective, with the stuff that we're dealing with now, the, the things that are happening. That's wisdom when we see it from the God's perspective, the way He sees things. Hope is about seeing the future from God's perspective and looking forward. Everything about hope deals with stuff that is to come, mm-hmm. and we're seeing that future w- through the perspective, through the lens, so to speak, of uh, God's uh, uh, insight and, and, and what he's going to do in that future. So when we talk about hope, we're not talking about, I have a cool little dream that I think is really awesome. It's really about saying, God has this amazing thing that he wants to do, and my hope is that uh, is based on the fact that if I walk in that path with him, I'm going to be part of that amazing thing. I think you're absolutely right about that. And Jed, maybe if I could get you to pick up a little bit more on this, um, kind of just digging deeper into what this verse is actually saying. There's, mm-hmm. as we're saying, there's a very specific thing that's being said to people. And the more we understand that, the more we understand what it means for us. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate, you know, for the person who wrote in, I appreciate your question. I, I really do. And I, I get this is the kind of thing that can scare you a little bit because you read this in the Bible and it sounds kind of frightening. And, and mm-hmm. I feel that. You, you know, again, you, doesn't, you wrote, doesn't the outcome for our future hopes and dreams depend on how we love people today? Isn't God the one who's in control of all that anyways? All right. Again, left and right limits. If you've gone to Jesus and you've said, Jesus, save me, you're saved as saved can be. That's right. Um, uh, nothing can undo that. Nothing can cancel that. You can uh, stop 
doing anything Christian today, and you'll be just as saved at the end of your life, and you'll go to heaven. However, if your question is, can I miss out on blessings that God has for me in my life by refusing to take part or to be diligent or to be faithful in the you know the things he's calling me to yeah you definitely can um i have missed out on things i know god wanted to bless me with by refusing to take part in the things that he needed me to do to receive those blessings Mm -hmm. actually everybody has whether they know it or not Mm -hmm. um god does not force blessings on people um if you insist on not being blessed then you won't be um, in, in the message translation of um, this passage, he, the writer Peterson uses the phrase, don't drag your feet. Um, if you have a situation where God's trying to bless you and you insist on dragging your feet, which I have certainly done plenty of times, mm-hmm. then yeah, you will miss out on that blessing. Yeah. That, 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 and that's true and that sucks and it is mm-hmm. something to be concerned about. Right. It is not fatal in the sense of it's, you know, we're not talking about your salvation here right. or something, but we are saying there's a great, cool, amazing thing God wants to bring in your life, an adventure he wants to take you on, and could you act like such a knucklehead that God would say, all right, dude, we're, we're sailing on without you on this one. Yes, sure. that's, that, that is true, and that's something... And that's not a punishment. That's not a punishment. It's you chose it. You right. said, don't bless me in this way, right. and God said, oh, okay. Right. But this is the key thing. Um, you, don't, you don't have to do that. Right. You can decide to be easy for God to bless. Yes. You can you can decide to say, God, my attitude is, if you've got something for me, then I want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Even if I find it scary, even if I find it, you know, a little bewildering or overwhelming, I'm going to get, the, I'm going to ask you for courage to pursue and receive the things that you have for me. You can choose that. You can choose that every day when you get up. And if you do that, your life will be overwhelmed with blessings, Amen. more than you'll know what to do with. I don't mean that in a weird televangelist way and say you're driving a Ferrari. That's not what I mean. But meaning and significance mm-hmm. and hope and joy and peace, you'll have more of those things than you'll know what to do with. And you can do that. You can start today and say, God, I want what you want for me. I want your will to be done. Give me the courage to take a hold of it and to do so you know, in a timely fashion. That's something mm-hmm. I, I have room to grow in. I'm certain that's something you have room to grow grow in but god wants to bless you uh, if there's a hold up in that it's our reticence not his right. Amen. that's absolutely right i'll close out on by saying it's kind of uh does the outcome for our future hopes and dreams depend on how we love people today certainly not in the way of like we're, we talk about sometimes of kind of seeing christianity as a video game where we build up the uh build up the holiness points yeah mm. bible right. and we can cash yeah, absolutely. No, you just winged him and made him Unitarian. Twenty-year-old um, Simpsons jokes, folks, are still good. Still, still holds up today. But it's not this idea of you know I love people, so I, that makes God happy, and then I can cash that in to get you know the maybe slightly depraved and selfish stuff that I want. But there is something very interesting going on in this this whole passage talking about with this verse. Somebody saying, "Hey, you're on the path of a good thing. You've learned a lot. You've come a long way." A big part of that has been the way you've treated and loved people. Keep going on that. Keep yeah. exploring that. That's that's the path to what you want goes through more of that, not we've done enough of that, yeah. as Glenn put it, coast. And so even on stuff like this, that is a verse is a little confusing. So 
there's a lot of you got a lot of good wisdom here on checking different translations. There's a site called Bible Hub, which if you search like a specific verse, like if you typed in Hebrews six eleven, it would give you most of the major translations just on that page. Very good. You can also actually on that same site, and you can also do this on a bunch of other sites. If you can get an easy look at kind of the original language, great way to do that. If you can't find a resource that a message translation of the Bible actually does a pretty good job at looking back on that on most verses. And then expand it out, see what the whole idea is about, and then ask yourself, okay, what's what's this weird thing have to do with me? That's mm-hmm. a, those are some very good tips on ways to understand maybe bits and bobs of the Bible that don't seem immediately clear to what you've got going on. All right. Remember our final question here. It also came into Glenn's blog, which is uh, checking it now. Even more popular than it was in the first question. <laughs> wow. That's kind of crazy. I'm it, not surprised. Absolutely. This question says, hey, Unka, I've been a long-time listener to Say That Podcast. Thank you. Since about episode 70, which that's maybe even still a little early, but that's <laughs> that's about right. That's about the right time to come in. I've been looking for a lady mm. and would like some wise counsel on asking one out. All right. I'm a college student, never dated, and I'm a full-blown introvert. Right. There are two girls at work that I like. One I see at church occasionally where she volunteers, but I'm not sure what she thinks of me. I guess I should find that out. I like it when the question asker does the work for us. I feel like we may be on distant paths. Then there's the other. I don't know about her beliefs, but I thought about asking her out to find the answer, but something odd occurred here. Last week, she started acting in a way that might be flirty, but I don't really know, which to me, it was weird, and I didn't really know how to respond. If ever there was a description of the college male experience, it's that. Okay, I am a little bit older than either one of them, and that makes me feel a little edgy about asking one out. I, I read the parenthetical as we're given to it. Nothing weird. We're both in college. I guess I'm trying to figure out if I should ditch the idea of asking one or both out and wait to see if I ever meet anyone after I graduate, which is looking kind of slim because I'm a mechanical engineering major and will be around guys about 99% of the time. Unfortunately, I don't have some kind of girl newly wow. equation, if you will. Portmanteau. That sounds like a good title to something. Glenn, I'm going to go to you first on this. I'll give you a couple parameters here now. A, be gentle. Right. The people write in a question. You, you want to just call them chicken and tell them the problem is they're being chicken. Right. And right. it's not that that's not true, but it sounds like the young man knows he's chicken. Right. He's looking for some vi- advice to get over that. So let's right. let's take it from that end. Sure. Sure. Of course. Of course. Um, well, the first problem is your big fat chicken. Um, <laughs> Thank you. That's good listening right there. That's helpful and, well, one and of the, uh, what, edifying. One of the things that on this question uh, when it came in is, uh, I think Matt was a little dismayed w- by what this guy uh, might mean by the girl newly <laughs> equation. I'm a simple caveman. It didn't really mean much to so, me. So uh, I wrote him an email back on that and gave him a note. So I'll just read that off. Because it feels I'm, like if we could crack the girl newly equation, we may just that may cut right to the heart of this. Exactly right. So here's what I wrote back to Matt to explain it. While I can't be absolutely certain what he means by the Girl-Newley equation, I assume he's referencing to the Bernoulli equation, which concerns hydrodynamic flow of uncompressible fluid, stating that an increase in the velocity of flow will result in a decrease in the overall static pressure. Thus, as he moves forward in his dating life, he will experience lower emotional pressure, not unlike laminar airflow over an airfoil, thus providing emotional lift, as it were. That's very well done. That's very, so, very well done. We actually have in our studio audience right now a mechanical engineer. Uh, Charlie, uh, can we get a thumbs up, a thumbs down on that? That is thumbs up. That's what I wrote for Lee as well. Fluid dynamics. Okay. 
Okay. There, there it is. So sure. There's um, really no emotional nor romantic question that can't be um, answered by looking to the world of fluid dynamics. Yes. Right. Uh, so <laughs> on that note, uh, here's the thing is uh, you have this, uh, you use the word uh, feeling edgy and feeling introverted. Um, uh, those are both code words for being chicken. Uh, Thank so, you. That's still good listening. Yeah. Uh, so we, 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 we. I try, audience. Yeah. That's, chicken, 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 chicken. <laughs> that's good, Jed. Yeah. Eventually, this show will just be an hour of Glenn taunting the audience. Exactly. <laughs> the, here's the thing: is I'm introverted. I don't have problems sure. in my in my past. I didn't have problems asking a, a, a cute girl out for a cup of coffee. So there's that. Um, uh, the, the, this this idea of waiting until you're on 99% of guys after you graduate is actually the worst idea yep. you've got, but you're really drawn to that idea. Like, maybe that's the way to do that. So when you're drawn to the worst possible idea that we, we already know numerically would make that the least likely thing to work out, uh, we have to recognize that there is, we're, we're dealing with a sort of a risk aversion kind of situation here. Um, here's the thing. Uh, we were kind of talking about this b before we started taping. Uh, you are not going to get a signal from a Christian gal on whether she's interested or not. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, not in these wacky modern times. No. Uh, that We've messed up dating, and that's what happened with that. But you see, what you've got are uh, this other gal who sounds like uh, probably is not uh, a Christian, who is flirting with you. Now, of course, her flirting with you is confusing to you, and that's because you're a male, and right. <laughs> men don't really understand signals. So if you're, if you're expecting a signal when you have to know none is coming, mm -hmm. and if you got a signal, you wouldn't know how to interpret it, <laughs> then the entire thing of focusing on signals really doesn't make sense. So we had to get to a place where we're, we're, we're going to forego the idea of trying to read, read this girl's mind and simply say, we've got a gal that you think is cute, that you know goes to church, that you know is active in her faith and is volunteering. Find this gal. Say, I'd really love to take you out for a cup of coffee and get to know you better. That's it. Yeah, that is kind of it. But uh, being that that is the answer, and that's the answer, by the way. You, There's a cute Christian girl you know. She volunteers at church. Just ask her out. But... In the, sense, in the sense of helping. Mm -hmm. Lee, why don't you take us a little further inside that process? My man, he's written in. He's looking for advice on a how. Let's give him a how. Yeah, so uh, one of the things that you can do to, uh, to, to help yourself along on this process is to go ahead and you start with the volunteering as well. So uh, start with the serving. You know, find a yeah. place where some people are serving Jesus and get involved there. If there's a... If there's a, a little helps ministry that you can get involved in with the church, then go for it. If there's a specific, if you know what specific ministry this girl is is helping with at the church, why don't you volunteer there? But there's also all kinds of other stuff. You know, maybe, you know, specifically for your background, is there, you know, uh, depending on what size city you're in, there's probably a homeless shelter or mission somewhere that you could uh, go there and talk to them about offering some you know, some math or science tutoring. A lot of those places have programs for, you know, for GED programs for folks who have been in residency for a while. Um, that kind of stuff. There, you know, there's an ESL program you could volunteer at or something. Here's the thing about volunteering, getting involved, and serving in a ministry team somewhere. 
is that it expands the world of your like your group of friends, your sense of community, all that kind of stuff. You start hanging out with people and you start going into the fray with people and you and so you have an automatic closeness and because you're praying for each other and you're involved in the same mission field and you're facing some of the same kind of adversity and solving problems together. This is the kind of situation that you want to get into. If you don't know how to how to kick off some of these relationships, start with serving Jesus on a team of people who are volunteering and serving him. You're going to make friends there. You're going to get close to people there. And as an added bonus, it's what you were made to do, and it's going to feel really, really good. It's going to feel good to give your life away. It's going to feel good to be a part of serving. And the thing that you've heard all of us say on this podcast before is when you find the place where God has made you to serve and to give your life away, you're going to find out that the rest of your life is, is what you're doing until you can get to that thing. You know, maybe you've got you've got a day job that you do and everything and you dig it and you're made for it. It's great. But then you get to the place where you're serving Jesus and you're like, this is the thing that really fires me up. This is the thing that I live for. And then you start learning how to do some of these interpersonal relationships better. You don't need that equation. You can just have the conversation. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And Jed, I'd love you to close us out here maybe on kind of picking up this point. Um, Glenn was talking about where... There's so we're asking out maybe it's people we don't exactly know where they stand on that. Not super ideal. There are some ways in which asking out a coworker is not super ideal. If you're in college, that's probably not the most involved like working environment. Sure. But uh, we have to find this. Uh, we have to part of dating is finding being okay with seeing where a situation goes, even though you don't know how it's going to end. It sounds like what our friend here is uncomfortable with. I think a lot of the dating questions we got to come with is I, I it has been drilled into me that. Taking a course of action where uh, abject failure is not only a possibility but a likelihood is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So the holy thing to do is to wait until I have a situation from the jump that looks like it's going to work out. Yeah, I think that's a bad idea, and I think a lot of people waste a lot of time looking for that. So what's what's the risk assessment factor when we're looking at kind of dating stuff? That's a great question. Well, here's, here's the bottom line risk factor is um, um, they say no. And you feel sad for a while. Right. That's in terms of the initial thing of asking somebody out. That's the risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ask them, I would like to, you are pretty. I'd like to buy you a cup of coffee. And they say, yeah, it's, I'm a pass on that. And then you, you feel bad. Um, and not to discount that because feeling bad is sucks. Um, but that's actually going to happen in life. You're going to have things that you feel bad about. You're going to have things that, you know, you let you down and, and you feel disappointed. The key thing is, is the potential reward worth that risk? And it super duper is, Um, you know, getting into a good, healthy relationship is a great payoff. It's really good. It's it's way, way, way worth the risk. If you're brand new to dating, you, you may want to know, you know, Matt mentioned it, and it's worth repeating, particularly in more professional environments, um, asking out coworkers is not the greatest idea because it actually does add in other risk factors. Right, right, um, right. And in fact, a lot of, again, more, in more professional jobs, a lot of companies actually have very strict rules about the way that they want that to occur or to not occur. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you've got, you know, a, a summer job in college, you know, run the hot dog stand or something, then that's not an issue. Right, but right, you know, right. I mean, if you're if you're working like an office, kind it, of most jobs in colleges, like you work at the the pool or the fitness center or whatever, they kind of assume everybody's going to try to be dating everybody anyway. Exactly right. Exactly right. 
but uh, you know uh, that aside, I think you know the other risk that we that we don't talk about because you know part of it is a risk of failure, but I think the other risk that comes up a lot is I think we're terrified to simply admit I want something. Wow, yeah. Right. There's there's something about Christian culture where um, we have to hem and haul and pretend we don't really want the thing that we that we really want. Like if you think about it for a second, to to look at a different system, but there's a similar dynamic which might help. Um, nobody can admit I want to be famous. Right. I want to be a famous musician. I want to be a famous actor. I want to be a famous preacher. No one can admit that. That's actually mm-hmm. not allowed. We have to say, well, I was just. I was just doing my thing. And once you get it, you're not allowed to admit that you work towards getting it. Exactly right. I was just doing my thing. I was just, you know, making my art. And then these people came along and insisted I'd be famous. And I was like, it would be rude to say no. People wanted it, Jed. They wanted it. They wanted it. I was trying to make Jesus famous. Sure. I was trying, and I ended up famous. I just started with the fifteen richest people I know in my living room, but all of a sudden we had a big old church with an advertising budget. And meanwhile, no one's heard of Jesus. Exactly it's right. Weird. It's it's all surprising. It's curating is awful. Okay. <laughs> we, we, I, my dad just bought that record label. So I would have a place to go and write the songs that are deep in my spirit. Exactly right. Good for you, Taylor. Good for you. Yay. Okay. So here's well, the thing. Well, way to not piss off the internet, Jed. <laughs> I, I have a gift. Um, I told you Jane Austen was evil. Here's the key thing. <laughs> <laughs> Say whatever you want. Nobody's left listening. Here, here's the key thing. Any anybody who's famous has worked their entire life to be famous. Yeah, they've worked twenty. They and a team hard. of people have worked twenty four hours a day for years right. so that they can be famous. Don't be fooled by the fact that they have to then be demure and pretend like they didn't really want to be famous. Right. And it kind of happened accidentally. They wanted it bad. They wanted it bad, and they worked for it. And they had to be clear with themselves: I want this, and I want it bad. Mm-hmm. And here's the key thing: there's actually nothing wrong with that. Right. You can't get anything in life worth having if you won't admit that you want it. The same thing is true in dating and relationships. You're not going to have a successful dating relationship. You're not going to have a successful marriage if you can't admit to yourself, I want to be dating someone, and then I want to find someone I can marry, and then I want to build a good marriage. Mm -hmm. If you can't admit that to yourself, you're not going to have those things. And here's, here's how I know that. Healthy marriages don't occur accidentally. Right. Healthy engagements don't occur accidentally. Healthy dating relationships don't occur accidentally. Those things happen when two people give it everything they've got and work their butts off to make it happen. And in order for that to occur, you have to admit, I want this thing. Here's why that matters in your situation. It sounds like you've got a gal that you can and should ask out. We fully support it. But let's say that weren't the case. You have things like eHarmony that are set up to streamline this whole process. You can find uh, gals or guys, you know, that share your faith, that share your values, that that are are you know on what you're on, and whatnot. But here's the one thing: you have to admit to yourself and to them, "I want to be dating someone." That's right. That's the thing that's before you, and your culture's told you it's wrong to do that. Your culture's told you it's embarrassing to do that. Your culture's told you there's something unchristian about doing that. Mm-hmm. What I want is Jesus. He's the only thing I want. Wow. He's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> so dating is like idolatry. I, it's it's like date idolatry. Wow. See what I did there? That's one of those port man toes. I just judged you hard. <laughs> right, right. That would be funny if it wasn't word for word emails we get, which makes it sad. <laughs> yeah. If you want to if you want to move forward here, then there there are two things that you have to decide in your mind and then put into action. The first is that you're not afraid of being told no. Because that's the risk, is that somebody's mm-hmm. going to know, tell you Which no. Would, that would be bad, but 
you can survive it for yes sake, you know. absolutely the second thing you have to decide for yourself is i want to be in a dating relationship that's right. i embrace the fact that i have that desire there's nothing wrong with that desire now i'm going to act on that desire Maybe that's with this girl over here. Maybe that's with something like eHarmony. Maybe that's the singles thing at my church. But God created me to be the kind of person that would want to be in a relationship. I do want to be in a relationship, and therefore I'm going to take steps that will ultimately lead to being in a relationship. Real, real quick button on the end of that. We've talked to a number of people, of course, at this stage of struggle where you're at. And and it's incredibly tough. You, the, the idea of asking this gal to coffee just makes you sweat yeah you, you break out in a sweat just thinking about it. and it's it's very nervous making situation and it just seemed like an overwhelming deal but here's the thing we've also dealt with people on the other side of that mm-hmm. and you ask them how did it feel going through that process here's what they will tell you i thought i would die right yeah. <laughs> i really really thought i would die i thought to myself i'm asking this gal to coffee I can see spots. The room is spinning. I think I am dying. Then she said yes. The heavens parted. The, the angel sp- sang. The angel sang. I you know, wasn't sure I heard her right. I may have just run away before she changed her <laughs> mind. But we you know we, we we're we're going to get caught. But here's the thing is those same people will look back on it and say, it wasn't that big a deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time it was scary but looking back on it i I, what they're really saying is uh, having had that experience the next time this situation comes up it's not going to be anything like as Mm -hmm. overwhelming whatever that's what we're really trying to encourage you on is to go ahead and get that courage together go ahead and say this isn't the beginning and end of the world here Mm -hmm. let's go ahead and get used to this process Mm -hmm. of very casually in a very friendly uh, nice way say you know, I think we get along great, and I'd, I'd love to get to know you better. Can we go get a cup of coffee? Mm-hmm. It's very simple. But once you get used to that, it just gets easier and easier mm-hmm. and easier. Well, I think that's absolutely right. And close down on this, there, there are kind of two things that are butting up against each other here. One is um, we know from some offline conversations that this person is in there kind of mid-ish 20s. Not at all uncommon anymore to be a Christian who's in your early to mid-20s who's never been on a date. We can We can drop that. That's... Uh, based on the kind of informal research we do, that's becoming far more the norm than the exception. Yeah, That's cool. But one of the things that does happen is, as Brian's Glenn's describing here, is the longer you go without doing something and the more you feel behind on it, the more you feel that everybody else has done it, there becomes this idea that I have not done this because I can't or there's something wrong with me. And then that kind of builds and builds and builds because now we've got it. If I try it and I'm bad at it and it goes wrong, not only it's not that simple of, you know, I asked, they said, no, we move on with life. It's now I have confirmation of the thing that's wrong yeah. with me. Mm. Because you say there must be something wrong with me. Not something wrong with you, something wrong with Christians. As we yep. pointed out many times, mm-hmm. Christians broke dating. Yep. That's why you have not been on a date until your mid-20s. That's, that's cool, not about. on you. If you ask and they say no, that doesn't confirm anything about you, just as this person doesn't want to get coffee. Totally cool. The other thing we have on this, which Glenn brought up uh, right there, I thought it was such a fascinating point. I'd love to go back to it for just a quick second. Is this idea of not only do Christians break dating, so we've had that, was, and that was 10, 15 years ago, whenever right. that book came out. So we've had some ripple effects to where um, people of a certain age don't know how to flirt anymore. Yeah. Right. That's right. And I don't mean that in like, oh, well, back in our day, you know, hoop scare tournament, but I just mean they physically, literally do not know how to send a signal of being interested without 
immediately right. verbalizing it. That's what flirting is. Right, right, right. So we've got two options here. One is uh, you continue to try to read the subconscious incredibly subtle signals that they're not intentionally sending out. Right. And then that's a lot of, they sat down this close to me at the thing and they didn't leave a gap seat and he crossed his legs <laughs> towards me, but not away from me and right, trying right. to pupil dilation. <laughs> right. And it's a lot. Right. We got a lot. You got to get the hieroglyphics right. and right, right, right. totally, or we can skip that. And if we acknowledge, nobody knows how to do this. You can just say, you can, as Glenn is saying, you have to do a little bit more cold approaching, but you just ask. Right. And that cuts through that. A little harder in, in an ideal world before the Christian book industry totally wrecked the idea of dating. In yeah. the before times. Yes, in the long, <laughs> long ago, there would be some indicators that you would have, okay, I think, okay, there's giggling and there's whatnot. Yeah, if she so, giggled and played with her hair, he kind of flipped it back. Then sure, I got, I got a, pretty, much a it. pretty clear shot here. Yeah. If that's if we ha- now live in, in an ecosystem where that's gone, right. more boldness is the only option. Right. That's right. And... As we say often, women don't get out of this scot free. That's right. If you want, same thing goes for girls. If you want to be dating somebody, yep. you got to make that happen. Mm-hmm. You got to be the one to be. But it, that is the way forward. Mm-hmm. There, you, we are all now living and working with an entirely broken system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got to make some adjustments to that, but they're not that big in the overall. Okay. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, the bridge, Chicago dot tumblr.com you can sign up for a bridge box missionusa.com slash bridge box we're gonna take you out this week with a song that was created for bridge box and originally appeared on our bridge podcast and one of our great christian thinker episodes we've got a few more of those coming out so we talked about talked a lot about fear talked a lot about anxiety here this was in our bridge box about how to handle anxiety it's a song that jed wrote based on the writings of martin luther that our friend from knoxville down there ben banister yeah. Uh, recorded great singing voice uh, we appreciate Ben helping us out that and that fantastic song it's called Safe in Your Hands we're going to take out that just remember we love you God loves you there's nothing you can do about it the management and administration of the Say That Podcast would like to sincerely apologize for all of Matt's inappropriate comments <laughs> <laughs> feelings come and feelings go Something I got wrong.